Hi, I'm Carla. I'm Richard. We're the OBs, hosts of the We Do podcast. And co-founders of WeDoRelationships.com. We help people discover the best version of themselves for their significant relationships, even their marriage. Yes, even that. Every week we share insights we've learned over 20 years of helping individuals and couples. We can help you stay motivated and accountable while encouraging you to find lightness and the connection in your life that we're all after. And we do will help you master simple and elegant ways to withstand adversity in your life and encourage you to make it happen. We believe every day is a great day to share and grow. You probably have a relationship that needs some attention, whether at home or at work. Your breakthroughs and tools await you at WeDoRelationships.com. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and join our community of brave and intentional individuals who want life-giving relationships in their lives. Nourishing your relationship keeps it alive. We all need connection and inspiration. As you listen, you will gain insights that you can share with others, even your partner. Let's get to today's episode. Oh, right. We get to talk about four-letter words. I'm like, or should we talk about four-letter words? What are we going to talk about? Four-letter words. Okay. But they're different. They're different than what you're thinking. Okay. I think when we talk about four-letter words in relationships, we can look at the word nice Mm. and the word kind. And let's, if we kind of look at them, we can kind of determine which one really is the typical four-letter word. Which one do we want to use and which one do we not want to use? I always thought you wanted to use both. Yeah. I was brought up to believe that, you know, my mom used to always say, be nice. Hmm. And I listened. I think being nice is important. But there's a surface level element to being nice, which really dismisses your own needs to accommodate someone else's oh wow Mm -hmm. that's powerful but the but the derivation of the word nice comes from latin roots which mean which come from a word that nessius which means unaware or ignorant and as a former people pleaser this became (laughs) one of my go-to strategies for surviving in the world my mom used to say If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And that often led to me staying silent instead of addressing my needs. Even Santa was in on it. (laughs) (laughs) He created a naughty and nice list. If you weren't nice, then you must be naughty. And you certainly would not be rewarded. We're often nicer to strangers than we are to our closest loved ones. That's not fair. No, it's not. Can we can we go back a little bit to the the Santa analogy? Because mm-hmm. every year uh, I've written, you know, with a lot of thoughts from Carla, but I've written a letter to our children every year about from Santa. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it explains is kind of over the year bring up examples and incidents about you know what they did to be on the nice list. So are you saying that I perpetuated this problem with regard to being on a nice <laughs> list? Yes. Should be a <laughs> In a <kind>. way. <laughs> I think it should be the kind list. The kind list. Yeah. Well, maybe we could change that. I like yeah. that. Because the word kind means gracious 
and willing to do good or give pleasure, showing you care about other people, not causing harm or damage to yourself or others. Mm. So being kind has to do with others and to ourselves. When you brought that up as we were discussing this, because we do have some type of dialogue beforehand, and one of the things that came up to me is I, I read some quotes, you know, I don't know, every four or five days. One of them I like to look at as Rumi, and, and all, the other one is also Hafiz. So it's some of the ancient, you know, this, some of this is 800, uh, you know, 700-year-old type of reflections and thoughts that have been interpreted and translated over the years. As anything you may hear, it can motivate you or not. And in particular, I thought there was something that was pretty incredible that related to uh, being uh, kind was when Hafiz had this topic and it was part of that daily, um, I guess, prose that I looked at that day and happened to flip a page open. Sort of like you flip a page open, like, wow, that was meant for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I, in this particular day, I was there was something that I was not necessarily feeling like I was being kind to other people. And we can talk about being kind to yourself. <laughs> That's a whole other subject, but, but kind to other people. And Hafiz was asked by someone that said, look, how do you know uh, when someone is kind or they believe in something bigger than them? And his response was, my dear, they have dropped the knife. Someone who embodies kindness has dropped the cruel knife that so often is used upon their tender self and others. Mm. So they've dropped the cruel knife mm. that they use on their tender selves and others. And I just think that's really a beautiful way to describe it. And it's such a hard thing mm -hmm. to, to get away from, especially with all of our internal dialogue. And, you know, we get upset by people that, you know, other people every day, you know, what they say or what we think they said or what they meant or what we conjure up that they meant in their, in their mind. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of difficulty of being, uh, being kind. Yeah. I think being kind is one of the best kept secrets of happy couples. I think that when we are being kind, we are addressing needs ourselves for ourselves and our partner. We are looking at our needs and we're addressing them. So if I'm like if I'm nice to animals, I might swerve and miss a squirrel if it runs out in front of me, right? right. I'm being nice, not running it over. But if I'm being kind, you know, and there's maybe there's a wounded squirrel on the road or something. I might pull off the side of the road and make sure that it gets off to the side of, you know, to safety. So there's a, a difference between being nice and being kind. Would you agree? I, I do. I, I It reminds me of an animal incident we had with my son, John, when we were driving one day. And uh, we are going down a street that we actually go th through many, many times. And at that time, I was in the construction industry, and I had a, a hard hat in my car, and little did I know that I was going to use the hard hat. Because um, we were driving, and all of a sudden, basically, a pigeon flew right in front of our car, and we hit it. It was a quail, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if it was. Quail sounds so much more vicious. I don't know why, but let's call it a pigeon quail or a quail pigeon. It's a turducken. It was a turducken. And so we hit this quail, and my son was 
about five or six at the time. He goes, oh my God, what happened? And, and I said, I think we just hit that, hit a bird. And so we stopped and the bird was on the side of the road and it was expiring before us. I mean, oh my God, this bird was, and we felt horrible about it. And we picked it up and put it in my, my hard hat. And we said, we got to go have a proper burial for this guy. Sort of like the squirrel. Does. We got to go have a, a proper burial. So we were we were going to do that. And we were so excited about doing that in a way that we were making an effort. But then my son started crying. He goes, I go, what's going on? He goes, well, just so you know, a little background here. Obernesser means over means over and Essen means uh, eat. So overeater or over the Ness River, depending on translation. And my son goes, I think our name means over killer because we just killed this quail. And I say, John, John, come on now. We're, we're going to go take care of it. So we had a proper burial and we eventually got rid of the moniker of being over killer. <laughs> but there was kindness in that act. There was. Yeah. I mean, there's when we think about kindness and how to be kind, I have to be reminded what type of process can I, can I use? And I, I thought of the word kind and I, I, I like to, to use some a way of responding, um, and an acronym kind of helps me to kind of put it in perspective. A lot of times I do this before I go on a walk in the morning with the dog and I'm going out to the park, and how can I look upon other people with kind eyes? Not nice, but kind eyes, and I think that sees their humanity. And we such, I have such a diverse walk. Every walk of life, every language is spoken out there. On this at this park where, where near we live. And so what I look at is like, hey, what do you do in your life about being kind? Because I can be very hard on myself. I can be hard on others. And how do I be kind? First is the K side the, the, of kind. K is, kin, is kinship, to know that, okay, we're in this together. There's another human being. There's another living entity. How do I be kind to that? We share a lot of the same DNA as animals and humans do, or as trees do, and everything associated with it. Um, we are all connected in this world. We're all connected with our, our, our DNA that, that connects us all. So what's the kinship there? Well, realizing that we're in this together. The I is what's the intention? The intention is to have this interaction or this communication with our spouse and our partner to be something that is better than when we entered the room. You know, how do I make it a better outcome with that intention, and a lot of times, if you're, you're you're doing that, then the the outcome will be better. For example, the intention I know you've communicated to me a lot, sweetie, was one of the international people happened to be a pope that would say, you know, before I go into international communication with somebody else, I ask my angels to talk to their angels with the intention, and a lot of things are worked out before we meet. Well, if we say, hey, I have great intention for this person in a conflict. And before I meet with them, I'm going to, we're going to have a better outcome because maybe we're connecting with their essence. It's another way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And the outcome is better. And we have to go against the other is the end. You know, our nature is to be comparative. Our nature is to be, um, how, do, how do I get a better situation? How do I get better in the food line? How do I get the prey better than before the other person does so I can live and survive and can continue on my species? It's a natural thing for us to try to fight against is the end. And then the D is determination. How do we do it again? How do we consciously and repetitiously look at kindness? And I say this not because I'm super kind. I say this because I want to be super kind. I want to be kinder to myself. 
going back to this dropping the cruel knife that we use on our tender selves, I want to be kinder to myself. And when I'm kinder to myself, I can be kinder to others. So I ask for the intention of those listening and the intentions of those that are your partners, ask them for the intention of being kinder to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that intention does make a difference. Mm -hmm. And you see that with your, your clients, mm -hmm. you know, and if, if they were kinder to each other, then maybe there's more hope. When they, when they set the intention for kindness, which I think often they do because they want something to shift. And if, if they do that alone, it can shift greatly. I think that in relationships, kindness is often giving the courtesy you would give to others while allowing space for hanging out in problems without necessarily solving them. Mm. You know, John Gottman has done a lot of research and he's for over 40 years, he's studied couples. And one of the interesting facts that he has discovered or stats he's discovered is it doesn't matter who you are with, what partner you are with, it's still the same ratio. If people have, you know, another partner, it'll still be the same statistic that you have 30% of your problems are going to be solvable, things that you can figure out. And 70% of the stuff in relationships are unsolvable. It's not going to be figured out. It's It has to do with the differences in who we are. Maybe it's, you know, one person is tidy and the other one is untidy. Someone is, you know, prompt all the time. The other one's late. Someone's a morning person and someone's a night owl. Someone's more of a default to anger as opposed to default to sadness. Yeah. You know, th those type of things are. Yeah, there can be just the differences then become 70% of the stuff in relationships are about unsolvable issues. And I was thinking about that just as we were kind of reviewing this. Because because what happens is uh, in that when we figure out how we can be respectful in the 70% of the unsolvable stuff, that is where the beauty comes. That is where the kindness comes into play when there is such a difference in that 70% where if I'm the one that is always uh, late all the time and my partner's on time, you know, when I'm running behind, if I'm stressed out, he will know to be kinder to me and to not say, do you know what time it is? You need to hurry up. Yeah. He will give me grace because he knows she's stressed out, you know, and vice versa. So when my partner is on time and stressed out, I know to pick up my game a little bit to get there on time. I remember that was the case for Richard and I, you know, if, if he was stressed out about getting somewhere on time, I would know I need to start getting ready, yeah. getting the kids ready earlier rather than later. I just need to pick up my game because my default would be to be maybe tardy. Yeah. So those differences in the 70-30, and when we were preparing this, it struck me so it impacted me. It was a big aha. It was it's a like, huge wow. aha to think about that couples... They, they avoid 
getting help in their relationship on average six years they'll wait before getting help in their relationship and I think it has to do with this 30% it's the solvable they think I think that couples think it's a, we need to go to counseling when we need to solve a problem but in reality they've already most likely solved the solvable problems it's the unsolvable problems that they need strategies on they need to figure out how can I be a partner with somebody who has something that is so opposite of me or something that is so different than me how can I be respectful in the 70% of our stuff on the unsolvable stuff yeah, this idea of the of the unsolvable things. That's where I always find if I, if I'm working individually, it's sort of like the the two rings that then overlap on the we do you know logo that that we always talk about. We're working on our stuff, and those two rings never quite connect on the top, right? Because we're constantly looking to how do we improve, and are we in progress to our deathbeds type of thing. And I, I believe that. I believe I'm. I really want to be constantly looking a way to improve and also love who I am at that place mm -hmm. before I improve. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that how do I love that and respect that and say, it's okay, now let's go and do this. But if somebody in the relationship says, I want to work on something that I know, because your partner's probably said something, said, hey, you know, this is kind of irritating me and so, so, so long. So, you know, it's, it's causing problems. Certainly as we're coaching other couples, we hear what are the gradient problems? Mm -hmm. What's grinding? What's what's causing friction? What's causing a challenge? Well, if somebody acknowledges that it's there, and yes, I can understand how that might be a challenge for you, and you try to lean into that problem a little bit on your own and try to work on that, and might be through what you hear on a podcast, might be through one of the online courses, might be through a little mini retreat, it might be through whatever, what you read. And you're trying to say, how can I be better at this? Because you know that you don't want to upset your partner on that. You don't want to become inflamed. You don't want to become mean-spirited. You want to, you don't want to become um, exasperated with the issue. You don't want it to be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and those type of things where you're in disdain, you know, or that type of thing, or contempt. You don't want to have those type of things. So if you want to work on it a little bit, boy, does that close the gap. And that's where the connection, that's where the overlap is, is when you're doing that work yourself, to get better because maybe you've heard of a few things. And so how do you help people and how do we help people in our lines of work to work on something that may seem unsolvable that we can respect it and work it to where it isn't such a um, albatross around our neck and our relationship. Mm -hmm. And we think we have to have some elixir that's going to fix that. Mm -hmm. well, I think certainly becoming aware of the 70% is essential and also incorporating kindness in the interactions is going to be essential. You know, if couples are waiting six years, you know, before they get help, there's usually a pattern of really toxic behaviors that have built mm -hmm. up by the time they get to a point where they're like, we need to go to therapy. Often it's too late because they've been hurting each other for six years or more. I've seen... 15, 20 years of that hurt just accumulating and being pushed aside and not being addressed. So when, when couples hear themselves name-calling or assaulting their partner's character, those are huge red flags that they've already waited too long before intervening. 
because it's a slippery slope. The minute we start name calling or assaulting our partner's uh, character, we've gone far off the road of kindness and we need to course correct. And it's, it reminds me of that old sticker that they used to put on the blockbuster videotapes, you know, be kind, rewind. Yeah. It's like we can rewind and we can course correct. We can start today and we can start with an intention of kindness. And you're, and most likely if you've been having these toxic interactions, you're going to default back to those toxic things. This doesn't mean that you're not improving. It means it takes time, some time to get out of those, those bad habits and into a kinder relationship. As we're course correcting, we want to no more name calling, eliminate character assassinations. And, you know, in this case, my mom was right. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. That works in this instance, as you detox from toxic habits. As you eliminate toxic behaviors, you can begin to work on the kindness and addressing of the needs. Wow. You know, talk about kindness. You know, we see that a lot of, you know, examples in our lives about kindness. We have a, we have a dear friend of ours that is so kind to his pets. And he puts that on his Instagram a lot. And we also know that the same person is extremely kind to other people. Oh, my God. What an example of it. Mm -hmm. And you've known this person all, all your life. Mm -hmm. And we actually say and use that as an example to act like him and his siblings and those type of things. Is he perfect? He will tell you that he is. We believe he is. But <laughs> not everybody's perfect. However, there's a kindness that happens that is if you were talking to your dog you love. Yeah. Right? For example... There was a mission that somebody, I don't know if it was Stephen Covey or somebody that said, you know, my mission in life is to be the type of person that my dog thinks I am. Mm -hmm. You know, that my dog thinks I am. Mm -hmm. How do we talk? To, and I know, it's, oh, don't treat your spouse or partners like a dog. But how about the kindness that we yeah. show? I can tell you, like with our dog, Indy, it's like, you're such a good boy, Indy, aren't you? Look at that. And I even put a voice in his head saying, yes, I know I'm a good boy. And, and it's like, you are a good boy and you're trying your best, Indy. Well, Maybe sometimes that's a way to entree and say, okay, let's start new. Let's start there because something in the connection of love and connectivity that you've had with your partner is worth not giving up about. Yeah. And usually the entree is to be kind to each other. Wow. What a nice, beautiful thing to, to have happen. Yeah. I think kindness allows for empathy as well. And we know that empathy is a way of connecting through vulnerability and in that is intimacy and empathy is hanging out sometimes with your partner or with others without trying to change how they feel it's just being in that space with them maybe longer than feels comfortable to you in just hanging out in the darkness or hanging out understanding their perspective even if you disagree when you or can't solve it because it, it can bring new life into the relationship. When we practice kindness in our relationship, it becomes second nature. After we gave birth to our fourth child, I can remember Richard coming into my hospital room while the doctor was checking in on me. And Richard 
relayed to me that he had just smashed our new van in the parking garage. As we discussed the incident, we quickly came to the conclusion that we would fix the van and that other things were so much more important. Yeah, basically it went like this. Hey, sweetie, I'm sorry, but I just backed into the pole in the garage and uh, smashed the van. And Carla literally, without a beat, said, oh, that's okay. We'll figure it out and we'll, we'll work through it with insurance. <laughs> in the meantime, the doctor is looking at Carla. <laughs> yeah, and, and he just, he looked at Richard, he looked at me, and then he looked, <laughs> he said, what are you guys on? What <laughs> are you on? It just seems so unnatural to him, he said. It just didn't seem right. But I think it becomes it becomes natural the more we practice practice kindness. It is a practice. And it's something that can become a default if we practice it more and more often. But and just to clean up a little bit here on some of the like when I mentioned the pets about, you know, to be the person that my dog thinks I am, that goes for cat cat owners too, by yes. the way. Kitties. Uh, and kitties, um, you know, be the person that they think you are mm -hmm. and that you show that love. But I think I think the people close to, closest to us often get the worst of us. Yeah. And when we true. start to focus on kindness, we begin to realize that those closest to us deserve our kindness the most. With kindness in our homes, we create a refuge. A home is a place of peace. It allows us to rest, recover and return to the world filled up and ready to go to give what we've got to our work, friends, strangers, communities in need, our animals, nature, the list goes on and on. I love it how, you know, on your, on your notes to, to people and your communication to, to clients and those that you care about. And certainly at the end of these podcasts, you say, take, take good care. And I think that's really an act of, invitation to to be kind to yourself and mm -hmm. take good care and sometimes that takes a lot of effort and that takes a lot of communication and it takes the braveness of doing something uh, different than you've been used to doing whether that's listening to this or going to see a therapist or a coach or or something that says I, I want to be better and I want to be better for myself mm -hmm. so I, I think that's a huge thing I love hearing it and um, we hope you've enjoyed uh, today's episode. I certainly have, and it's a reminder and a call and an invitation to be to be kind. I thought there was an invitation to kindness that when Rumi said, which I thought was just lovely, and it um, goes back to a prose that you can take this, but uh, basically the invitation was from Rumi is that I have filled the garden with candles and set out the t wine and sweets on the tables. I have called the musicians oh, I wish you could be here. I wish you could be here. I wish we invite you to be kind. I invite ourselves. I invite myself, you know, to, to be kind to myself and others. Take good care. We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by WeDoRelationships.com. Now let's make a difference in our relationship with ourselves and others to flourish in today's world. Please share what you learned. Great job. You're taking the time to honor and explore your relationships. We know it's not easy in our busy lives, but it's worth it. You're worth it. Those you love will notice. If you'd like to help us personally, then please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, leave a review, cheer us on, or simply say hello. What other cool couples do you know? Take the time to share our podcast with them. The world needs more vibrant couples. Great relationships lead to a fulfilled life. 
It begins with you. Every connection counts. Take good care.